to Zach Servideo here with Boston Speaks Up. I'm here with Marcus Sebastiano. Yes, sir. What's up, Marcus? How are What's you today? Up, Great, man. Thanks for coming by. Thanks for having me. Yeah. This, this space is gorgeous. Uh, I'm going to maybe need to just have do some sort of a unique Boston Speaks Up post and maybe take some photos yeah. with you and, and litter the, uh, the post with, with photos of the amazing and inspiring creative space that we're in here. Um, There's a lot to look at. Yeah. And as, as I was coming in, I saw like, I saw some of your work that I'm familiar with. And then I saw some work from some other artists. So you got, you got some, you got some different, different artists like here that you'll, that you'll showcase or that you'll help sort of bring to, to, to events in Boston. Yeah. We, we place, we curate uh, W hotel, Yotel, uh, a couple other like private businesses in Boston. So we actually just took down our W show. So we have, you know, six or seven artists in here now. We did a big group show. It ran for like five months. Yeah. So like uh, Dante Latessa, Mesha Vet, uh, Blind Fox, Jeff Erler, a bunch of bunch of great, great local artists, Boston artists. It's, it's funny when you say local because people always think like local meaning they're from here, but yeah. they're not like just local. They're like yeah. internationally selling right. artists, you know, right. which but, is cool. Yeah, they just so happen to be here are from here yeah. I like almost stay away yeah. from that term sometimes when yeah. like describing people yeah I'm like oh they're actually like international artists but they're local you yeah know? yeah it's true well it's interesting one of the reasons I was excited I am excited to talk to you and, and get this conversation out is there's so many more artists and creatives in Boston than than people think there are sure but I think you could say that about any community yeah. about most any community it's just any like any city that has a you know a strong economy like Boston. Boston, of course, is going to be known for tech, yep. biotech, healthcare, things like that. But there's so many creatives. We've, we've talked to comedians on this podcast. We've talked to filmmakers. You, like, I think at one point you mentioned to me where we were kind of doing a chat like weeks ago. You're like, yeah, I could, could probably chat with a thousand artists in Boston, you know, that just so happen to be in Boston, you know, in the coming years. Like if if you if you were to have a podcast like that's sure. just how like just how dense the network of artists that just so happen to make yeah. Boston their home. I mean, even here in we're in Lawrence, we're in Lawrence, Mass. So it's like I always say that about this city is it's like so diverse and so complex with so many different types of artists. You know, from like graffiti artists to fine artists. Like even in this building, we're in this you know mill that's 120 years old, and you know we have a Colombian artist downstairs. Um, she's like from Colombia. She sells like all over the country. You know, and then you have like some young kid photographer down yeah. the down the hallway that's just like just starting out but does amazing stuff. Yeah. And you know, you'll get in these conversations with some of the younger generation to kind of uh, steer their path. You know, kind of give them a few shortcuts as to like how to make a living because as an artist, it's like it's obviously not easy to like find your lane to figure out how to create a steady income stream. <clears throat> and there's that stigma that like artists should always be poor you yeah. know like starving yeah, yeah, yeah. artists like i yeah. want that thing to go away like, yeah you don't you don't have to think like that that like your mentality of thinking you need to be a starving artist and you need to suffer is not um you know it doesn't have to have to happen like that your life doesn't have to be like that so. yeah yeah it's one of the things i mean i actually want to unpack that a little more but kind of stepping out of um kind of going back in time first and this in, in part will help <clears throat> inform you know, young people or perhaps people who are pursuing a career mm -hmm. other than the arts that that may after listening to this decide like you know what like I'm gonna pick that back up 
as a side hustle. Yeah. And maybe that is, and maybe Marcus just inspired me to, to go after that lane. But what, when was it, you know, for you, I think we did like the pre podcast sort of, in, you know, quick, you know, one word answer Q and a, you, you mentioned that in third grade, you knew you wanted to be an artist. Yeah. How, how did you know? <laughs> what, what, what was there? Is there a story there? Uh, I, I was always attracted to the drawing, you know, I was like drawing like cartoons and, you know, whatever, like, I don't know, whatever was on like TV or comic book type stuff. And then uh, it was funny. I went to, I went to like a Catholic school. Like it's called St. Monica's, like right in the oh, border yeah. of Methuen and Lawrence. Yep. And uh, this is really funny, but every year we have this contest for who could draw the best station of the cross. Like literally draw Jesus on a cross, like blood coming out of his hands and shit, <laughs> which I think back now and it's just so, it's just so weird. But uh, I used to always win, like by third grade, it was like three years in a row and I had like won the contest. You know, it was me and a couple other kids in the class that would kind of battle for like first place, you know. Yeah. We always get, you know, one, two or three. Right. And uh, I think up until fourth, fourth grade, I mean, we did it every year, you know. Yeah. So it's kind of this thing we look forward to. And, you know, once people start, uh, you know, complimenting you or telling you you're good at something, maybe it kind of steers you like in that direction in your mind. You're like, maybe I am kind of good at this or I identified as like, maybe I'm an artist, you know. Yeah. Um, and then it was funny in high school, I went back, we did this program at Central Catholic and we'd go back and mentor some of the kids. And I went back, you know, how many years later, I don't know, 12, 10 years later or something. And, uh, the third grade teacher was still there and she came out and she came, grabbed me and she brought me and introduced me. And she's like, we still use your drawing as the example for the class every year when we, you know, oh, wow. show them like, Hey, this is what you want to aspire to be you know that's motivating and like further re- reaffirming what you you thought you were pretty pretty yeah. good like at that point in high school like was that like an extra nudge to be like all right like post high school like i should pursue yeah i mean it, it was tough like a, you know going to central catholic they didn't have an art program they had like i took like two art classes and at that point you know you focus on sports and girls and life and yeah you know you don't really know um you know what you're going to go into and you know i grew up in a in a metal shop with my dad he was a, he still is a metal fabricator, a master fabricator. And I started working when I was like, uh, I don't know, 11. You know, he paid me like $2 an hour to come yeah. like fold up the metal and throw it in the, in the um, barrels, you know. But I was always like attracted to building the texture. My family was all builders and creators, but all in different formats, different mediums, you know. Was that cool for you? Like at 11, that's, that's like, that's an age where I can remember it like adoring my father at 11 and just like loving that he like, wanted to you know, coach me in baseball and just like sure. love and spend time. I remember he, he drove for UPS. He just retired after 37 years, but he always had like an extra job. Like one job he had, he would drive for flight line on the weekends. Another job he would like deliver bread. Yeah. Like around like for like Middle East, just uh, the Middle East bakery or whatever. Wow. And, um, and I just would always like want to spend time with him. So I'd like get up at like four in the morning and like go deliver bread with him or whatever. Sure. Um, so like, it sounds like you, I mean, you were working with your dad at 11 years old, like $2 a side, which is not bad. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I get a couple bucks for like, yeah, you know, it'd be like start, on Saturdays, you work half stacking days. And, up. But did yeah. you build, you, you, you have a special relationship with your dad. I mean, you guys spend some time together, like around. Yeah. I mean, I have like a, this interesting uh, perspective of what he do, does, yeah. like more than anyone in my family, more than my mom, my sisters, like they always just think he goes to work. Yeah. But you know, since I was a little kid. I'd go into this place and it just like had kind of endless possibilities. Like he was always building things and, you know, whether it was duct work or, or whatever it was, like a custom uh, copper hood or, or, you know, a shower pan for, you know, new construction. 
um, you know, he taught me how to weld. He's like, yeah. all right, let's practice your name, you know, and I was just welding. I was using all these tools that, like, you could cut your hand off with, wow. you know, and every time I'd go, my mom would be like, you know, be careful with your son. Don't, you know, as soon as we get there, it would be like all gloves are off. It'd be like, you know, I remember him, you know, you're in a blue collar industry where it's like pretty rough around the edges, you know, no pun intended with the metal, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. but like guys would come in just like every word was the F word and just like talking about women and all these things. And he like told me, you know, he said, listen, you're going to hear a lot of things in here. And like, you know, we're going to swear. This is going to kind of be what it is. He's like, you know, you just, you can't take this home. It stays in the metal shop. Yeah. And it wasn't anything <laughs> yeah, like yeah. terrible. It's just like guys kind of just don't go to school. Like, yeah. yeah. Cause this is a yeah. good thing. Let's keep and, it going. And you'd, and you'd meet these older guys and you'd have these stories. And, you know, I also, at the time, um, you know, I, my dad, my family didn't have a very good relationship with my father's dad. He was a sheet metal, you know, guy too. But, you know, he passed down his metal break to my dad. Wow. So that was in there. So, you know, it's from wow, like the 1950s. In the family, yeah. And you, was and he, he in, in Phil and Lawrence as He was well? Haverhill too. Haverhill? And uh, the metal shop's always yeah. been in Haverhill. But okay. I was like the only one in my family to ever develop a relationship with my grandfather. Because, and was it through that work? Yeah, because I would see him only at work. Outside of that, none of the family would ever see him. Really? But, you know, I kind of saw him as this person, whereas, like, they just saw him as this guy who was never around. You know, he was an alcoholic mm-hmm. and all these things. But... You know, we broke it down. He was always cool to me, and we had this relationship. And some people just aren't good at being that family man or woman they need yeah, to be. I don't. I don't. Uh, you got to empathize with them. Yeah, and in like these last few years, I really started to understand uh, or try to comprehend why people are the way they are, and just like forgiving and not judging is is like helped me let go of a lot of things in life. You know, like you can't, people are going to be the way they are. Like you can't change everyone. You can't change. It doesn't necessarily mean he was a terrible person or, you know, he didn't care about, you know, us or a family, you know? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so that was cool, man. Growing up in the metal shop was, I learned how to work with my hands for the first time, learned like the value of never sitting down at work. You know, like, what are you doing? Like, what, We'll be like, well, I, well, I, well, I finished the job. You know, mm-hmm. be like, well, th- look around. It's like, sweep the yeah. floor, yeah. fucking paint the wall, do yeah. it. You know, do whatever. Yeah. You got to do something. You yeah. can't sit down. And I've always had that, that mentality work towards yeah. work. You know, yeah. going into, I've worked in every trade, and you could possibly imagine, I've worked at least one day. And you met Bernie or landscaping? I met Bernie or landscaping. <laughs> That's yeah, right. Michael Bernie, who was one of our guests earlier. Yeah, this Mike's, year. yeah, Mike's one of my best friends. Yeah, we met landscaping, a whole crew of kids. We yeah. were sixteen, jumping in the back of. Uh, you know, pick up trucks with wheelbarrows. Did you guys get your own, you had your own hustle going, like your own company, or did you work for a company? Uh, we we actually started making music together. He's always yeah. been a musician. Yeah. And I ended up, like, helping him produce some stuff, and then we launched, uh, I had another partner on Miami, launched an initial clothing line called Eight and Nine, still around today, based in Miami and New York. And, um, yeah, we launched that, so he was, like, the head of sales, and I was, like, the creator, the designer, the creative director, and... Yeah, we pumped that for like three years heavy, and it was uh, it became an international company. I had to leave after a few years just because it was uh, personal differences with my partner. But um, yeah, we were hustling. We were doing yeah. shows all over the you know the East Coast, bringing twenty deep, wearing all the gear. Yeah, and we had denim line, we had T-shirts, we had headbands, hats, everything. You know, and it was it was a wild ride. We learned a lot. We learned a lot about sales, marketing, design, um, and really just like relationship building, networking. Um, and, you know, it's, it's almost like in any business, I feel like you could be successful as long as you manage your relationships correctly. You know, like build bridges, don't burn bridges. Like no matter, even if someone wrongs you in a certain way, if you know they're placed in a spot, like be the bigger person and just sometimes you kind of have to walk away from things, mm-hmm. but almost confuse them a little mm-hmm. bit. Like yeah. leave them being like, oh, does he 
like me? Does he not like yeah. me? Like, I'll hate you on my own time. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah right on. Um, yeah. So, yeah, we, we had a good run, and then he became a pretty big musician and, you know, played these shows all over, and, and we traveled together, and, you know, I'd help him yeah. set, up the, set up the gigs, and it was fun. We had, yeah. we had a lot of good years doing that. Cool. The, um, I didn't know that about the, the clothing line. They, yeah. Yeah. Is it is it something about that? I mean, obviously at a micro level, it sounds like there's some differences with with the partner and, and folks in that specific business. Is it something about that commerce like business and like the retail business that I should say that kind of turned you off? Like your, I mean, your your humility is obvious. And I don't know if I'm trying to make you feel awkward here, but you're a you're a wildly successful artist from my perspective, and it's why I really want to get to know you and share sort of the, the manner in which you've found a way to be a flourishing, successful creative. Thanks, man. That's very Appreciate motivational that. to people that also are very close to me in life that could use that sort of specific sure. motivation that I couldn't give them. But you have this, like, this beautiful work that I, I've seen just walking through your space today. And you could easily like just throw it on t-shirts and like make it commercial, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it's, it seems to me you're very intentional about how your art make like permeates in, in the world. Mm-hmm. So if that makes sense, like, can you speak to that a little bit? Like how, like, wh- you know, what you, what did you learn from, cause you were being an, an art director sort of creative that um, artistic expression was finding its way onto swag that people sure. were buying internationally. Yeah. But here you are like, very far away from that. Yep. And you totally could have made bank in that world. Yep. Yep. So why are you here? Well, I mean, I guess they're all just different mediums, uh, your expression of creativity, you know, it's on a piece of wood or a piece of metal or, or a hat or, you know, design and art and creativity has always been like an intricate part of who I am. You know, that's like what permeates from the inside, like the down deep, you know, like what, that's what, what connects me to life. You know, like as an artist, whether it's like a short film or a video or, you know, I've done a little bit of, of everything in like this creative world, especially branding, you know, branding companies that did that for 15 years. That's how I made a living. And, um, you know, it's all kind of ties in together. And that first company was a taste at like, wow, you can like create all these awesome products. You can, the world is, you know, at your fingertips. And this is at a time when there was zero social media. So everything was like a handshake and like, let me introduce you to this person. Let's travel to this store. Let's, you know, let's create these little little ways that we can create hype and, and get into clothing stores and, you know, consignment. All these little things that you're yeah. learning on your own that I never, I didn't go to business school, you know, I went to art school, you know. Yeah. So I didn't, I didn't have this like certain ideology, but I did adapt. And it, you know, the thing was, is we had like major loans. Like I was taking out 20, 30 $40,000 in loans. I was 21 years old. Like I, I had to pay all the money back. Mm-hmm. So force yourself to be in the spot where it's like, there is no option. Like you have to sell these clothes. You have to create this brand. You have to sell this lifestyle. And it was at the time it was a mix of like very urban skateboard, hip hop, rap. And we just aligned with strategic partnerships with, with rappers, with musicians, with skateboarders, with, with street bike warriors, like, pretty much anything really we want to align with this lifestyle so Mm -hmm. it was almost like we didn't really work at our core competency because we were just like let's just put it out to to kind of everywhere you know and uh from that smart you know i just you know i switched mediums i went into branding and then 
you know, like six years ago. I mean, I had always been making art, even when I lived in San Diego, you know, on the beach and I was poor. I was pulling paint out of the neighbor's garbage. At the time, I didn't really know why I was doing it. I was like, I got to make something, yeah. you know? Instead yeah. of like going to look for a job, I'm, like, yeah. I'm surfing and like making art out of trash yeah. and giving it away or putting it in my house. And it was funny because like last year, I like, I went and visited one of my friends and he like still has one of my pieces on the wall that I like, I did with like a, a pen and like a knife. Really? You know, and I'm looking at in that. In San Diego? Yeah. When were you, how long did you live there? I was there uh, like 04 to 06 maybe, or like 03 to 05. Nice. Is it, a, is it a friend from here? Uh, it was one of my buddies that I just was friends with out there. Out there? Yeah. And There's I go, a lot of people I go back a lot and, out there. and visit. Yeah. I got a whole crew of friends. Most of them moved up to Santa Cruz, but I still have a good... Yeah. My friends in LA, Were you in Pacific, Pacific Beach. I was a mission. You're a mission beach. Store, yeah. Nice. Yeah, I used to work at the Sandbar, right in Mission Beach. Yeah. I worked at Canes at that time, like doing security and nice. bullshitting around. But uh, yeah, so I mean, fast forward to six years ago was when I, I, I mean, I had another clothing company. I don't, I don't have to get into all that, but I had another experience with, uh, you know apparel again yeah, products retail world yeah making we were making actually mma gloves and we were in that whole space and the the investor ended up backing out like at the absolute wrong time because we were just about to go over the falls and mm-hmm. uh he decided to back out and him and the other guy had 51 percent of the company so i learned my lesson from that and then after that i was kind of like i'm never letting anyone have any piece of what i do like for there now go. on this yeah. is going to be yeah just me i'm gonna have complete control over what i do and i really just started focusing on making art and and creating these things i had envisioned for a long time like making these big masterpieces you know and putting them in hotels and i kind of just i i I did kind of envision you know the way i saw my life you know and i just kept at it i just was like all right i'm gonna i want to make these pieces for these big hotel lobbies you know walk me through that so you've had big pieces like the w in, sure. in Boston, and and, you, and I know I, when I talked to you a while back, like you were coming back from New York, doing, doing, had an installation there. Um, what was the first one you did? What was that first masterpiece, and where did it go? Uh, my first breakthrough piece was at this restaurant called The Gallows. It's in the South End, yep. and it was actually a piece. We, it's outside. It's still outside, um, like right in kind of the doorway. It's kind of sheltered from the from the snow, but and the weather. But yeah, I, I had a friend that was a manager, general manager there, and, and his boss, uh, Rebecca, she, they own Blackbird Donuts, Banyan, they own a oh, yeah. bunch, of, bunch of companies, uh, businesses. And uh, she's like, I love your work, I wanna commission you to do a piece. So that was my, I was like, all right, you know? And it was you know, good amount of money. Mm-hmm. And we went through this process, and I, I learned a lot and made this custom piece. And, and I've got people today, like still like, you know, once every week I'll have someone send me like a picture of at the gallows, you know, mm-hmm. with the piece that's still there. So from there, I kind of like broke into the restaurant industry. Um, I did another piece for one of our other restaurants, Banyan. People started seeing the work, I put a nameplate on it. And then you kind of just start getting calls, you know, yeah. and, and you, it, it's like, I always say it's like funny, like when you have art out in the world, it's like you have these, these little placemakers and uh, you don't know who's looking at it. You don't know who's taking pictures of it. You just, you can't monitor that. And, you know, I've had people come to me and be like, hey, we've gone to all your restaurants. I'm in probably like a dozen restaurants in Boston. And they're like, we've been following your work for years, saving up to like buy originals. And they come visit me and I'm like, what? Like I'm blown away. I'm like, yeah, 
this is crazy. Like this yeah. is going on. Well, it's powerful attention. Like I, I coming from like the, the digital media, to, like measurement technology world. That's kind of how I earn my income. It, it I'm well aware of like the terms, like the attention economy and everyone in, in brands are super interested in like how many eyeballs are on this video, piece of video content sure. or this piece, whether it's on a television screen or, or, or Experience a, management. a desktop or, or yep. a phone, but the, 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 um, the physical world, like the, the real estate in the, in the, in the physical world, like the ability to have your art like exist in a hotel, a restaurant, like the, that's like, real physical world impressions yeah. that every day tons and tons of people are impressed upon your artistry yeah and there's no way to track that but over time good like good things sort of kick back your way sure from that just that likeness about your art and, and that likability about it and then people are sort of seeking out following you and at different times in aggregate yeah, that's, the, I mean, that's sort physical, of how things cascade in a positive direction for the, your career. The physical world is overlooked a lot now. Yeah. Like being in the physical world, being present. And I really do believe that, you know, you have to be present in a physical form to, to make a real impression and to create like a network, you know? So like from that restaurant industry, from always saying yes and doing all these art shows, you know, pop-up shows on the weekend. So, uh, um, you know, all over the city, I would always be like, yes, like, let me, let me lug six, five foot by four foot pieces, get a van, like, you know, I mean, it's like a lot of work. I was always by myself. You'd set up for a full day and you'd meet a few hundred people. And you couldn't even count the amount of people say like, oh, well, I'd love to do a commission with you. You forget their names. You keep their cards. And then like two years later, someone would be like, yeah, I met you at this show. So-and-so, you were so nice. We loved your work. We had this great conversation. I'm like, I kind of, I don't really remember this person. And then now you're in their house in like, you know, the North End. And you're like, wow, that came from two years ago. Yeah. Um, and then like back to, again, like how you treat people and, I think that kind of comes back to you in the end. And, and that's what happened with me is I just found these little pockets of people that loved art and, you know, I do a, a commission or, or they buy one of my pieces for their home or their restaurant. And then it would just go to the next one and the next one. And now, now you're like, I'm like, you know, I love Steve Jobs quote about, you know, you can only connect the dots looking back. And that's what I always say. It's like, it's like so crazy. I'm like, wait, how did I meet this person? And how yeah. did I find this pocket of people? Yeah. And it's a cool experience because it's art. It's yeah. like feels good. Like yeah. you're, you're not, it's not like you're like wheeling and dealing to buy a car or, you know, you're doing, you're like, you're like doing something for the love of it and something that's going to make you feel good in your house or, or really fit like the design of your house. So it's, it's like a fun process. It's always, fun. You know? It makes you feel good. It's like that's, and that's more, all the more reason why I'm more, it seems to me there's, there's more ways for people to pursue artistic careers. Um, in 2019 and beyond, just given the way brands and corporations sure. have kind of shifted the way that they want to show up in the world. So yep. I want to talk to you a little bit about what you did with SAP yep. at South by Southwest. Yep. That powerful piece was, yep. was dope. And then kind of more broadly, I think it'd be valuable for us to talk a bit about how it's been for you working with a brand like SAP, working with a Coca-Cola, because as I see it from my world, and before I really looked closely at what you're doing with some of these brands, like I've seen over the last several years, like corporate social responsibility types of initiatives where big budgets are going um, more in the direction of like causes that have social impact. Um, brands and corporations are just interested in like 
just showing up in the world in a meaningful way, in a purposeful way, and and not necessarily in a, in a way that has a it has like a direct that creates a direct kickback uh, for sure. revenue, but has purpose. So if as as it, it seems to be, that's the trend, and yeah. we're early on in that trend. So that's good for you. Yeah, I feel like that's good, like for, that's good for more artists. It's Small good for creatives. for filmmakers. Sure, uh, seeing it on the video side of things, like companies that are always just investing in like very static, like customer case study videos. Yeah, they're starting to come to like groups like my group, and they're like, "Hey, can you like connect us to there's some like directors that just know how to do like a like more of a cinematic story?" And we want to actually not highlight the product. Like we actually just want to highlight the humans. At the, at the company that we're helping because our product happens to give them more time and like sure. they can go coach their daughter's soccer team or they can go, you know, participate in an Ironman or whatever. And we just want you to like go tell people stories and just do what you want to do. Sure. Like filmmaker that likes doc, you know, documenting uh, humans and doing human sure. profiles. So talk a bit about how you kind of got into getting work commissioned by brands and um, I mean, I, I watched the video that you did for for Coca Cola, yeah. um, and then I want to definitely talk about the piece you did at SAP because that had some nice heat around it this year at South by. Yeah. Like, congrats, yeah, was, man! That was, was awesome. It was a really cool experience. It was, uh, you know, especially working with these bigger corporations. There's going to be like a lot of people involved. There's going to be a lot of calls. There's going to be a lot of opinions, and you know, it's been a, a pretty big learning process. You know, just comprehending how to deal with those things and. How much time to account for? Yeah, and like, and like, how to, you know, where are my boundaries as an artist, and what's going to go against what I believe, and you know, finding this happy medium. Um, Coca Cola was a big learning process, and I had kind of landed that deal. One of my really good friends, Derek Joaquin, who's one of my top branding advisors, pretty Mm -hmm. much. He's he's an incredible artist and uh, designer and branding person. He uh, he was working with this agency, and I ended up meeting his boss, and he had seen my work, and he's like, "Well, we're rebranding." Coca-Cola, like 40th anniversary of the bottling company all throughout New England. And he's like, it would be really cool if we could pitch them to do something special. So we kind of, we all just met in a very casual way and they came here actually the same spot, saw all my work and they're like, we'd love to. So we, we did this like collaborative effort piece celebrating the 40 years of, you know, all the people that work there and, you know, all the passion behind th- these people's like long careers at this company and what they kind of stand for. So that was cool, man. It was it was a it was a long time. It was you know we did like I think that was like three or four months of work going back and forth with sketches yeah. and you know direction. And uh, from that, you know that video, Gus had made that video, which got a really uh, got a good amount of hits on it. That's kind of how I, I got a lot of like three or four of my last jobs came from just that video. But you know it's funny like when you see like a number on a video, it's like okay, well, it was 20,000 or 30,000. Yeah. It's like, there's really 30,000 people yeah. that watched that, yeah. you know? And you're yeah. like, that's a lot of people. No, that's gonna, And that's going to double or triple. Uh, so I met this, this woman named Bridget. She was a um, marketing person at SAP. And she, you know, she's like, hey, I don't know how this is going to connect with our company, but I love what you do. I'd love to come sit down with you. So she came here and, you know, we made friends for a few hours, talked about everything and uh, what I do and how I could help them. And she pitched me to their marketing department. And at the time they had been looking to do something art driven to humanize their brand. I mean, they're a giant global technology company. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing is like, yeah, that is kind of a popular idea now. It's like, let's, let's let everyone know that we're not the big bad wolf, especially mm-hmm. companies that are more B2B, less like yeah. B2C. Yeah. You know, the, the first one we did was uh, gender equality. SAP does a lot to 
um, support women's rights, equality, and in, in like especially in the workplace, and mm-hmm. like, hey, like what's going on here? Let's have these open conversations. So when we dove into that one, you know, I wanted to. I started using the play on words, powerful. You mm-hmm. know, we had a bunch of words that preceded that, but yeah. um, you know, we kind of just came up with this idea, and I set up a photo shoot, and you know, I wanted something that kind of celebrated everyone at the same time as like lifting each other up yeah like let's be powerful together like we're, we're obviously all more powerful if we're all equal yeah. and you know we're not putting anyone down or we're not like limiting someone's opportunity yeah. in life which is like i feel like maybe people like us it's like a no-brainer like why yeah you know i grew up with two sisters and a mom and like mm-hmm. i was always like what i mean when it came time to like responsibility or anything, my sisters would get, get that job. It wasn't me. Yeah. I was like, yeah. I'd rather be working with women almost than guys. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that, that went off. Awesome. We set it up at South by, they had a big, uh, revealing and then we got that Forbes pickup, that article, which was really cool. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's been, it's been a cool experience with them. We're on our, working on a third one now. So there's going to be a gallery nice. in their building at 10 Hudson yards in New York city. It'll be like a commercial gallery and all these pieces will hang. Yeah by the end of uh, the series. That's cool. So like when a company like SAP comes to you, they want to do, they want to commission a piece. They want to humanize their brand. They don't want to be the big bad wolf. Now, how much are you in that position vetting exactly how much they actually, there's, there's fire and it's not just smoke, right? That they actually, okay, like what are you guys doing? Like how much are they showing that to you or how much of a discourse is there into like how they're, because I see that um, one of the big, one of the, the pos- positive sort of takeaways from your work with SAP, like in that Forbes piece and, and it seems like you have more to come, is that it actually sheds light on the gender equality work they're doing. Yeah. Because big corporations who are investing like SAP are maybe teaching slightly smaller corporations that maybe haven't quitely aligned on a, you know, a CSR initiative sure. and made these types of investments. It's, it's then part of like a movement, not just to make people think the SAP brand is more humanized, sure. but actually challenges other businesses yep. to do something similar, sure. which again, good for artists, but actually good for humans because it means gender equality becomes an yeah. issue that more people read about and then say, hey, why aren't we doing this at Vans? Yeah. I'm saying Vans because you're wearing a Vans yeah, yeah, hat. Yeah. But, but that's, <laughs> that's kind of what's happening, yeah. right? Like if you go on LinkedIn, it's like all these major corporations are kind of talking about the similar thing and you're like, well, we should focus on this. So it is, it is a good thing. And like yeah. with SAP specifically- it's a new bar. Yeah, they are. I mean, they sent, when we start these initiatives, they, they send me videos and, and you know, dozens of examples of these things they're doing around the world, you know, cure, whether it's like hunger or, you know, poverty or, you know, climate change, like they're dealing with all these, these certain situations and and they're really creating technology that is helping and making it easier for smaller businesses to have a technology to like combat, you know, something like one of their things I thought was really interesting is they, they have this technology in Africa, um, regarding like poaching, um, Rhinos. Okay. And they like help with a certain security that. Sorry, we got some sawing going yeah. back in the background. Yeah, and it's okay. Like some of the sawing can just exist because that's <laughs> the that's the big open raw studio that is Blockhouse. Yeah, this where, is it. Where Marcus works out of here in Lawrence, the mall, the mall, the mill. Uh, this is this. What, what mills is it? What mills is this? Uh, this is. This actually doesn't have a specific name. It's, okay. it's across the street from Pacific Mills. Yeah. Um, 
But anyway, yeah, when we're talking about we're talking about the rhinos. Yeah. Uh, so they create this technology that alerts the security guards when like poachers are in the area. And it, it like sets off an alarm. So mm-hmm. these guys come and like actually protect these rhinos. Yeah. These rhinos are all protected. And that's through like the technology that SAP is creating yeah. and the software. Yeah. Which, you know, I wouldn't have signed up to work with someone that didn't match my like ideologies in some way or my yeah. ideals and, and morals. And they, they seem to be on point with what they're saying about these things and yeah. the proof that they're giving me. So, you yeah. know, it gives me good ammo to be like, yeah. all right, I feel good about this, you yeah. know? And, uh, you know, obviously you get paid too, so that's nice because you have yeah. to pay the bills. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we found a little happy medium there. That's good. It's, it's really working out. Are there other brands you're starting to work with? Like from the SAP work, I imagine other brands have hit you up. Um, what about through, like, working with, with Derek? Um, yeah, we have there's – a, there's a bunch of things going on. I mean, we've done a lot of work with uh, Beam Centauri. So I've done – messed up with Beam Centauri, Beam Centauri uh, Jägermeister, Absolute Vodka, um, Effin Vodka. I did a I did a series for uh, Big Poppy a few years ago, which is like his uh, retirement gift. Okay. They made these. Uh, they gave me these five bottles to customize, and I made this whole like light box. And uh, wait, so who commissioned that? Uh, that was Effin Vodka. Effin Vodka. Yeah. So it was like presented to him at his at his big like retirement party. Oh, cool. So that was that was cool. We did these. Uh, it was it was funny. I came up with a cool play on words. It was a big graphic and uh, hand painted bottles, and it was this is. This is our effing city. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah so it's like yeah, when he yeah. said that, and I was yeah. like, it's kind of funny. So I pitched, yeah. I pitched that to that's like perfect. to the GM. He was like, dude, that's incredible. That's all. After yeah. that, it was like it can't be anything. Yeah. Else. So like you just leave the, the yeah. labels already on there, the effing, and it, it worked yeah. out really cool. I got yeah. some got some uh, good work and some good feedback off of that. But uh, yeah, and then we're I'm in talks right now working with this uh, retail marijuana brand, Cura Leaf. Okay. So they're opening up another chain of stores like all over the country. So we're working together to try to get our little feeling board going and see yeah. if it's gonna, it's going to work to do custom artwork for their stores. Yeah. Which would be interesting. That, um, that's an interesting industry to do some work in right now yeah. as things are opening up across the country. And we talked about this a little bit when we chatted a little while back. Just I'm seeing I'm no, a lot of my adult sort of friends in business are going all in on in can, at, in cannabis businesses, sure. many of which have started or have a strong presence in Colorado but are beginning to now essentially franchise yep. out yeah all, st- all, all the states so that these are I mean big big brands that will require obviously uh, bolstered you know marketing yeah. and storytelling efforts and there's no shortage of cash flow yeah <laughs> in those industries which is nice yeah because uh, yeah yeah, so I always say, like, you want to get people at the beginning when they have the money. Who knows where everything's going to go? But, right. I mean, with CBD, marijuana, now psychedelics being, yeah. being, being legal yeah. in, uh, in Colorado. Yeah. It's kind of wild. It's like I'm always thinking, like, all right, what do I invest in? Like, it's, uh, it's so it's so convoluted and it's so, like, yeah. like who is even what? Yeah. Like, how do you even pay attention to all this stuff? Yeah. Um, I have a good buddy out in L.A. who owns a CBD company called Nani's Nectars. And uh, they're... They're killing it right now, and I look to him for a lot of that stuff. Like, I'll call him, like, hey, do you know who Cure Leaf is? Do yeah, you know yeah. This is. And- I have a buddy like that. Yeah. yeah he, he can give me a gut check on any cannabis-related yeah. business. Yeah. And uh, so I check in with him, and I call him to get a reference about that company and get an opinion. He's like, yeah, they're yeah. legit. So. Yeah. Um, but besides that, brand collaborations, nothing on the immediate horizon besides this SAP stuff I'm doing, um, and then just pushing 
you know, the Blockhouse brand and what we do with our gallery. We're kind of in like this in-between phase. We're trying to figure out who we are. We did, yeah. you know, four or five really big shows the last couple of years. Uh, and now we're kind of at this, you know, like I said, in, in between stage, trying to figure out like what kind of voice we want to have. And, yeah. You know, what we actually want to do as, as artists and as this creative network. I just had an idea. Um, the big poppy thing sticking in my head right now. And like, it, it, it'd be interesting to have, you know, like there's like those milestone moments when employees have been at a company 10 years or, you know, a employee has been at the company 10 or I'm, I'm picturing someone like Karen Kaplan. She's the CEO of Hill Holiday. Yeah. And so she like famously was like the like secretary, you know, eventually became CEO yeah. of the company. Um, but basically celebrating, you know, a milestone, like someone for, like Karen that's like a commissioned piece. Sure. Just seems like that would be like a very nice niche to kind yeah, of yeah. market to companies because they're all, dude, I've worked at some bigger companies and it's amazing. Like the money that will be thrown at just like random. Oh yeah. Like random kind of like mediocre gifts. Yeah. And like I could, and, and also, especially if it was like a, a, a gift that then lives on in the, in the, space of the office sure. and like adds to the culture and vibe yeah um there's just so many ways where it just could like breathe new life almost into like brands and like just around my i could just see it like really fitting in well around like you know milestones and just like milestones and like gifts yeah no i mean no it's 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 definitely a channel i mean i, I work with a lot of these you know just when i met with this real estate uh agency like a small agency on newbury street yeah we're going to like customize all the art for their office. And, you know, I'll bring nice. in, you know, that's the thing with this stuff. It's like, I can't really do it all myself. Yeah. So I'll look at it and be like, all right, well, you know, we'll bring in another artist piece. Yeah. And that's kind of why I like yeah. having the gallery. I have access to all these different style artists. Yeah. Um, so I'll kind of act as like an interior designer yeah. for a lot of these spaces. Yeah. Like more of a consultative role. Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, there's a couple, that just reminded me of a couple other things I want to make sure we talk about. Well, one is the fact that I was looking at this, the new piece that you recently did. And you were saying like 30 hours of work right here, just in, um, you know, grabbing clippings and scraping. Like, can you describe your process a little bit? And like, like that recent piece you did as, yeah, as yeah. an example. So, um, you know, I build in layers with resin spray paint. I have this like, kind of like form of trans translucent printing that I do with the photography. Um, and it's all in layers. So like the first thing I'll do is I build all the canvases from scratch, you know, out of aluminum and, and wood, the surface is aluminum. Um, and then I There's start your metal shop background. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, industrial. Yeah. Thanks side dad. Of things. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks dad. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I don't, I don't think I'm enough. Uh, and, uh, you could send him this and be like, thanks dad. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. I, I was, I always laugh cause he like, you know, I borrow money from him when I was like young and I first yeah. started like my first business. Yeah. And he like has it all written down on the wall in his office. I'm telling you, it's like 20 years old. Yeah. And uh, a couple of years ago, I like I forgot about it. And he was like, "You still owe me $200 from when you went to Florida in like 1999 or something." You know what I mean? Like some <laughs> funny shit. He's got it written on the wall. Yeah. So like two years ago, I, I'm like, I'm trying to pay him back. He won't take the money. And it's like, you know, it might be a couple of grand. Take the money or take it off the wall. <laughs> yeah. So I try to like sneak it in like through my mom, like somehow, yeah. like, you know, give her a hundred and be like, you know, just give that to dad or whatever. But yeah. Um, yeah, so going back to the process, yeah, it's, so I, I collect all, you know, vintage ephemera stuff, uh, newspapers, magazines, you know, old Playboys, Time Magazine, Life, and I kind of like, I kind of like go through this process where I zone out and I just kind of like rip pages apart and 
mean, if you come in here while I'm in the middle of it, I mean, it looks like a murder scene, you know? It's just yeah. like, I mean, yesterday was a murder scene before yeah. I cleaned up for you. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so I kind of just, like, go through a process of laying that all down um, and layering them and, and, and using paint to kind of interject in between and then scraping. I, I don't know why I just mm -hmm. found this process of, like, scraping, like, therapeutic with, you know, a little blade. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, you layer the paper, you paint, you pull back colors, and it's just, like, this process of kind of like stripping away this top layer and finding like these colors underneath and these textures that are just like, you don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. And I'll spray with paint, I'll spray colors and then layer it with paper. And as you pull it away, you'll find like these greens and blues you forgot you even threw down. And it creates this like organic looking texture. So from that, you know, I'll finish that whole and Truly base. authentic, like, yeah, truly yeah, and it just, unique. And that was just from me like experimenting with things. And then, you know, I kind of combine this process with this, layering technique, um, you know, using my digital background, which is like heavy in Photoshop. Um, so I combine these textures, these Photoshop layers, and then it becomes a physical thing that I lay down and they all blend into one. Like, you know, so I have all this texture, I lay down a digital layer, I go back in, I hand paint and I do like, you know, another texturized layer. And then it kind of becomes this whole seamless, almost like 2D piece that wraps around the edges. And it's like, I can't even make heads or tails, like what's in there. You know what I mean? Because it yeah. happens so quickly. So a lot of the times people will find clippings in the paintings that I don't even, I never, I don't think about it. It's not a conscious yeah. thing. Yeah. You know, I just kind of go for. You don't have a proper part. accounting of all the materials. I have no this. idea. <laughs> I mean, I, I really have no idea. I'm just gluing shit down and painting it and, yeah. uh, and layering it. And, you know, sometimes at the end, I, my goal and my objective is to align my vision of this, uh, you know, this conceptual, conceptual and this, this like organic looking piece. Like I, I have a visual, I don't know where it's going to end up, but at the end it's like, I have to feel really good about, you know, where that went. Like I have to look at it and go like, all right, I'll add more pink, I'll add more blue, whatever it is, or I'll add some more paper on top. I, I kind of don't know when it's going yeah. to stop. It's just when I feel really good about this. Like, yeah. all right. And that's a tough thing. Like knowing when to stop is tough, you know? Yeah. You can go any which way. And, yeah. Some of that must come back to your like work ethic you got working with your dad in the metal shop, like because as you were describing, like you'll just go like you said you were cranking music and four hours goes by like that, and you're just like yeah. doing this very tedious work. But like, is that I mean, would you attribute some of that to that? Like, because that's yeah. like that is you're having fun. Yeah, yeah. To, but but it also it's it's work and it's it is, and some would call it tedious, but I don't know like how you would exactly describe it, but it, it takes a unique um, set of, you know, natural skills that you've developed over time to just be able to execute that yeah. time and time again. Cause that's, that's your consistent artistry right there. What you just described. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, maybe the, the five hours before that, I'm just kind of sitting in a chair thinking yeah. and then it's 12 hours of, you know, just full on, like not even really remembering what you did half the time, you know, yeah. it's just like, you know, growing up in a world where like I'm climbing through attics, you know, doing HVAC and you're up there in like 105 degrees crawling through an attic, you gotta find like this happy place to go to. It's not really a happy place. Yeah. And I think some of that goes back to that like mind muscle memory yeah. where I'm just like zoning out and I'm just kind of in a therapeutic state. And then you kind of step back after a while and be like, wow, like that was a emotional, you know, yeah. sometimes it really is an emotional process, especially working with these abstracts it's like, you hate it, you love it, you hate it, you love it. And then it's like, like any artist, you have so much self-doubt, even as much confidence as you have, you're like, is this, this terrible? 
like, what does this even look like? And that's like, you know, a couple of days ago, I posted one of these abstracts on Instagram, which I never do, just to be like, does anyone like this? Yeah. Are people feeling this? And it, yeah. it's not like, I guess maybe it is to get some reassurance because yeah. it's, people could say they don't care what people think, but everyone cares what people think. And, yeah. you know, you want to put out a good product and that's what I care about. And know? what you create, like, it, it matters what people think. Like, yeah. It, like, like, pe- like, people's opinions, you know, could decide whether or not your work is paid for or not. Yeah. Uh, so actually what you just said is really like uh, the, the other topic I want to make sure we cover was just like talking to young people. And I want to talk about some maybe initiatives. Like you mentioned chill. Uh, I want to like hear about maybe some, like some initiatives that you're specifically tied to or, or want to share But you just mentioned Marcus, a successful artist that you're often, you know, could oftentimes be unsure of yourself, sure. Which I think is a good thing for young people who haven't achieved what you've achieved to hear, because it's like even when you achieve things, like I, I'm unsure of myself. Like it, you, you, it's 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 good. If you don't want to go crazy, but it's it's good to sort of, you know, get introspective and like really, you know, focus on whether it's you know when I was talking to Bernie or like the thing he does is he like literally like he thinks of his thoughts, like yeah. he even like like oh like were the thoughts I'm thinking good, but it's like you're. For you, you're creating a piece of art, and that's your that's your artistry, and that's like what's most you know one of the most important things to you in your life. It, like questioning if it's good is is a natural thing to do. Sure. So I think, but speak to that doubt, and speak specifically to young people. And then I'm just curious, like what kind of work or causes are you involved in, or would you like to be involved in, just to help inspire? Like in particular, you're here, you're in Lawrence, Massachusetts. Yeah. Like it's a it, it's a it's an it's an eclectic mix of people here. My wife's from here. Like I'm from a town over in Methuen, but like I have like a lot of family and friends that are from here in Lawrence. Yeah. And and I think that there's there's plenty of good and there's plenty of bad to, yeah. to be said about Lawrence, like a lot of places. But it seems to me it's a place probably more than the average where like young people don't end up pursuing things that make that are fun sure. and creative. Like, I don't think I'm crazy and jumping out on a, a limb by, by saying that, but you can tell me if you think I am. But what is it that you want, that, that you say to young people, or how do you work with young people just about like dealing with that maybe doubt and helping them lean into maybe some of like the creative itches they have? Sure. So, all right, there's a couple layers to that. So, one being like, you know, everyone like stumbles into to art in different ways. Like we were talking about before, like maybe you're young and you get some, you get some like positive feedback and you say like, oh, I'm an artist. I'm going to become an artist. But that, but that artistry could be film. It could be screen printing. It could be f- fashion design. Like these, these, the output is always different, you know, for everyone. And like my personal journey was at first through like imitation and it was imitation, but it was, you know, like being in love with like Shepard Fairey ever since like yeah. his first Obey days, like seeing like his layering and seeing like his collage techniques, like that super inspired me. Like Pollock inspired the shit out of me. Like you can see it in my work, like watching documentaries on him. Like obviously everyone name drops Basquiat now, but I mean, you know, following him for a long time and his work. And, you know, at first you start to kind of like imitate in a way. And then from your personal experience and like maybe your natural uh, inclination to like some certain way, like mine was with metal. So a lot of my first work was on metal. It was like metal, resin, Pollock, digital, Shepard Fairy. I'm like mixing all these things in my head. And I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to try to come up with this unique style. And I didn't know what it was going to be. And, and because of that style, 
I've been able to differentiate myself with other artists. So I think it's like, and it's really tough now in this Instagram world where if you're an artist, you're going to follow a million artists and you're going to every day, like be like, damn dude, like Tristan Eaton, I'm looking at his murals, Shepard's murals, uh, Retina, like these, these giants, you know, like Bills, all these guys, you're like, I'll never be that good. You know, and then I have to step back, you know, Marco 27, Percy, all these guys from Boston, um, Rob Gibbs, pro black. These guys are doing these massive murals and I'm always looking at those going like, fuck, like I can never do that. And then I have to kind of scale back and go, you know, like, that's not what I do. That's like, that's what they do. Mm -hmm. Like I maybe create these more specific things and I'm just trying to stay authentic to my voice. Right on. So with, you know, in reference to like younger kids becoming artists, it's like kind of listen to your voice, kind of listen to your, your path and your past and like what you naturally gravitate towards. And, you know, it's always good to imitate, like steal like an artist. It's, you know, been around forever. Like everyone's stealing something, whether it's a color palette or something that you see, and it could just be from like an old floor like this. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I've always been attracted to texture and that's what has always inspired me, like rust and metal. And that's kind of like what pushed me into this. Um, but on a local level, yeah, like we've worked with a bunch of interns, uh, younger kids. And, and the problem is they don't, a lot of them, I did some programs at, at Lawrence High. A lot of kids around here don't have access to equipment. They don't have access to even the understanding and the resources of like what goes into this stuff. And I, and I, you know, I had art lessons as a little kid, but I never had anyone like teaching me the business of being an artist. You know, everyone says, don't, yeah. don't be one. Yeah. Everyone says like, don't go into the trades. Don't learn how to build, go use your brain. Yeah. And it's like, oh, okay. Cause this house was built with no brain. Right. Yeah. Like it's one of those old things. And I'm like, it's so funny how, how kind of society has steered people away from those tradesmen. And now you can't even find them. That's funny. You can't I, find them. I just, I just. And they mentioned this year, you know, I closed on a house in Beverly. We moved in a few weeks ago. My uncle, thank God, is a carpenter. So he's helping us with stuff. And I was talking to him. He's like so in demand. Yeah. And he's like, he and like his plumbing, like his yeah, plumber came, came over and, and they were both like, yeah, we're like kind of retired, but like we do business with each other because there's a lot of business there. And, you know, there's just not enough general contractors. There's not enough plumbers around. Sure. Like, and it's funny, I, I was sitting down with um, Marty Fuller had me go to the, the Dearborn STEM Academy like Council for Boston Public Schools. I talked to her on one of the earlier podcast episodes and they were like having everyone write down like all the jobs for kids like mm-hmm. that, that they weren't thinking of. And it's all these really smart people that work in business in Boston and everyone's putting down like, and me included, I'm like, oh yeah, like, yeah, things tied to artificial intelligence and like all, yeah, I'm like, but then I was like, but also I'm like, carpentry plumbing and like people started looking at me weird and I'm like no I'm serious yeah like the, some of these like first of all not all of these kids are gonna like need to go into business and no. statistically they're not going to so like letting them know that it's okay to go into trades is also okay so you could still make an awesome <laughs> living and you could still be very happy working with you, your yeah, hands every day I've, I now know I'm now I'm well acquainted with the hourly rates of yeah. like general yeah. contractors yeah, yeah. and you know what it's like cheap, man. it's not cheap and it's and you work with your hands and like it's its own yeah. type of artistry like my uncle knocked down a wall for us and had to like recreate like moldings on our baseboards sure. that are 110 years old yeah and he had to like manipulate wood and it was like it was actually really fun for him and it i have a 
a deep appreciation for carpentry right, right now that like I never had before. Yeah. So I'm like all in on like you know focus it's on true. trades and 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 be exposed. It's like not just to be exposed to arts, but just like being exposed to many things. You know, but, you know uh, Russell Stott. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I played high school basketball. With Russell. Yeah, Russell's one of and my Russell, really good friends. Yeah. Really. So yeah, like, Russell, I want to talk to because I know Russell's big on this. He's like all about trades. Yeah. Like, Russell, the importance well, of like dude, learning trades. Russell's yeah. blown that company up in the I last know. couple of years. He's in like every magazine in Boston and beyond. He's doing such a great job. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I actually met with him a few months ago over at his new his new office space in downtown Andover. Nice. To maybe do some artwork with him and that's awesome. Create some stuff for his space, but. Yeah, I mean, it, it really does kind of come back to lack of resources, lack of knowledge. And, you know, going back to that first background, we talked about that initial clothing company that I had. It was all about being resourceful, and kind of like investigation. Like, what, how does screen printing work? Yeah. How does, like, embroidery work? Yeah. Like, going into these shops, like, blind and just being like, well, you know, how do you do this? Like, how do you yeah. digitize a logo? Like, yeah. you know, and, and now because it's like this do-it-yourself age where you can just watch a YouTube video on like how to do it. I mean, you have access to so much information yeah. as a young kid, as a young creative. Like, you want to learn how to pour resin? Type it in to YouTube. Yeah. And you'll come up with 50 videos to show you how to do it. Right. That's like how I initially figured yeah. it out. But, um, you know, some of the young kids we work with, you know, you give them a, a $5,000 camera setup yeah. and teach them how to take a photo. Yeah how to like use lighting and all of a sudden like their eyes light up yeah and they're like wow like i could take a photo that good mm. um you know and and going back to that it's like i think that's kind of what blockhouse's initial initial uh thought was like let's help some local kids in the community that's how we ended up working with burton and the chill program where they teach kids how to skateboard and we all skate so yeah. we go down to the park with them they teach them to skate for three weeks and they come here and they make all their own custom boards. So like oh, cool. fully like designed, painted, and then uh, you know show them how to put the trucks on. Show yeah. And you know they have this final product where they're like, wow, I made this. Yeah. And we've had so many kids come back yeah. to us and be like, you know, I'm still skating. I'm still like into yeah. art now. I learned how to use a stencil. Yeah. You know. Um, yeah. You build something. You have something physical. It's, it's tangible. You know the out, the outcome is tangible. Like your time. You know the the time that you could put into that as opposed to whatever playing a video game like just messing around with your friends like not being you know not yeah. being like productive in a more diligent way yeah like that to me is like what's what's particularly um well there seems to me it, there's a lot of white space because you just put you know help you know more programs like it sounds like the chill program is like one of those what's yeah. the scale that that's at um, like, is that like ongoing and like how many kids participate? Yeah, we've done, we're going to be doing our fourth one now, uh, this summer and Great. it ranged like the first one was supposed to be a dozen kids, but that's even the issue too, is we have a hard time finding the kids. Yeah. We go to the boys club, yeah. do all these things. We want like a co-ed boys and girls yeah. style thing. Um, the first one, I think we were supposed to have like 10 and we ended up with four. Yeah. It was a really good like trial run. Yeah. And now we'll end up with like a dozen, maybe more, yeah. 17 kids. Yeah. It's cool to have them all. That's up great, here. and yeah. you gotta start. And then they start spreading the word, and you gotta start somewhere. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's uh, that's impact. That's been really rewarding for us because we're getting we're getting to kind of teach them a little bit of everything, and uh, you know, also seeing kids skateboard and learning that like, you know, learning the mentality of like trying your first ollie or your first trick, and like, you know, they start the first day, they don't even know how to stand on the skateboard, and at the end of like six weeks. They're skating around, they're doing like these little kind of tricks and they're like starting to try to ollie. And it's like that progression is like, you know, practice, practice, practice. Like falling is 
part of the program. You're going to fall. You're going to get hurt. It's the same thing as comparable to life. I mean, dude, you're going to hit walls. Shit's going to happen. Your mom's going to die. Like, shit, you know, like you have to forge forward. And it's like creating that, like that mindset, that mentality, I think is just as important as like the skills itself, like learning how to be a great artist. Well, you got to deal with the ups and downs of like being broke, not being able to pay the rent. Like if you don't have anything to fall back on, I feel like you almost have an advantage because it's like, I'm forced to be here. Like I, you know, like myself, it's like tomorrow I could be broken back on the street if I stop producing. You know, I'll always have somewhere to sleep, like a friend or whatever, or my parents, or the, you know. Yeah, once the burn is real in your life, once you felt the burn, that it's always there. Yeah. It's like, I mentioned I was with a, a friend of mine, jokes about it now, but like, you know, winters were like, they didn't pay the heating bill. And this is a buddy of mine I grew up with, and they were like, oh, couldn't pay the heating bill. Yeah. He used to sleep in the kitchen with, his, you know, with his the brother. The oven open. With the oven open. Yeah. And like, a lot of people I grew up with, like, have been there, and... um and I can remember when, like, we didn't have, you know, money to fix, like, the heat, you know, the heating system. And we came up with, you know, ways to just keep each other warm, whatever. But, like, you know, coming from, like, a, t- like, tough, uh, you know, humble, um, relatively, you know, economic, economically struggling um, upbringing, I think is exactly what you said. It's, I consider it a, an advantage. Yeah. Like I felt like when I went to Los Angeles, I felt like I had a competitive advantage on everyone. And then I found the people, I was like, oh, these people kind of got the same sort of uh, attitude and hustle that I have. Sure. And more often than not, they were from like Boston or New York yeah. or Philly. Yeah. Um, and from just like similar types of backgrounds. But dude, you can like, so that's like, that's one of the things that I t- always tell young people and especially all the young people just in my life because they're from like similar background as me. Just like, listen, just, just be grounded and, and you know, be kind and, and work hard, have a good work ethic because in the real world, you're going to meet plenty of people that like, whether or not they ate from silver spoons for whatever reason, like they feel pretty comfortable that yeah. things are going to come their way yeah, yeah. and they're going to, they're not going to work that hard. Yeah. And one of the biggest issues that a lot of the companies have is just hiring people that are loyal and work hard. Yeah. So like, just like, go be kind, go be loyal, go work your butt off. Yeah. And like, you're going to be all right. Yeah. It's, it's, no, and it's, it's simpler than, than, than it seems. Well, it's like, it, it's, uh, you know, it's, we both know, like, not all the most talented people are successful. It's oh. like, you look around, they might be just be. I'm never the, the smartest best. guy in the room. Oh, definitely. Yeah, never. I never am. I like surround myself with people who are smart and yep. listen to them and ask questions. I'm just regurgitating <laughs> shit that smarter people have said. Absolutely. That's, that's what I'm constantly that is, doing. That is it. And, and the truly, and, and they're, with, with all that said, the reality is everyone's making like everyone at, at a certain level is making something up sure. and everyone is like or faking it, st- you make faking it, it and like trying to figure it ultimately out you know especially in business like people like you know, i mentioned artificial intelligence for like it's so funny like you you i'll run into a someone 10 years my senior at an event or like actually right now blockchain's big because now a blockchain event this dude is probably 10 15 years my senior investor starts talking about uh, just one area of the media and advertising market I happen to know well mm-hmm. starts talking about how blockchain can apply to it and disrupt it all. And it wasn't correct just yeah. because someone smarter than him that I work with told me how it works. Yeah. And it's just interesting. Like, but that guy, like who am, who am I to dis, like in that, who am I to dismiss 
him feeling good about the way he feels. So I'm like, oh, that's really interesting. He's yeah. like, yeah, if it's something you want to invest in, let me know. Okay, I will. I don't actually invest in ideas like that. I don't have that type of capital. And good luck to you, sir. And because for all I know, the other guy telling me how it works, he doesn't know what he's talking about. I don't know. Yeah. It's, I'm just listening to everyone. I'm just taking it all in. Well, everyone's kind of <laughs> trying to sell something. And, and I realize, you just realize it more and more. I'm like, all right, everyone's kind of figuring it out, kind of selling. Um, you're right. You're right. Everyone's trying to position themselves somehow yeah. in, in the conversation always. And it's like... I've always been very weary of those over Yeah. I feel like good stuff sells itself. Yeah. You know? I, um, yeah. And then at the, at the end of the day, you got to practice empathy. So yeah. if, so, you know, if for whatever reason you're feeling like what someone's dishing out is too salesy or you, you, you feel compelled to correct them, like I try to check myself. I historically maybe hadn't always checked myself, but in recent yeah. years, I don't know, something about being a father so they're about having more responsibility. Now I own a home. Now I have a two-year-old. It's like I got enough. I got enough projects, personal and work-related, to manage in my life. I want to invite as little Ajita as yeah. I can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, whenever there's an opportunity to like say something which may invite friction, yeah, I'm not saying shit. Yeah, no. I'm, <laughs> like, why go down that road? No, but, you, know, you battle with it because you're like, oh. Sometimes people maybe do need to get called out because if they never get called right. out. Maybe they're going to keep perpetuating yeah. this yeah. idea or this like, you know, and that's, I grapple with that a lot too, because I've had a lot of experiences with, you know, renting spaces out to artists. And I mean, we've had over 30 artists rent spaces in this Lawrence spot yeah. and you deal with people leaving stuff, walking out, not paying rent, like this whole other management business side of things right. where people wrong you, like other artists go around you or, you know, you're dealing with an interior design company and, you know, you suggest a bunch of people, they go around you in that way and it's like i don't know sometimes you just kind of kind of kind of let it go yeah and be like you know what man if i put good it's true good energy and good thoughts and good work ethic out into the world like i said building bridges it'll come back it's gonna come back like it has to you know yeah. and it has been it's yeah. been like you know things have been yeah been good for the last couple of years yeah. and uh but you know i'm constantly trying to check myself and go like are you progressing like i'm always yeah. going back to like are you yeah. progressing as an artist, as a human? Yeah. What are you doing? Like, are you happy? Are yeah. you know what? You know, because you go through stages, man. You know, life's yeah. an emotional roller coaster. You have something come sideswipe you, and then before you know, it, like three months go by, and you're like, what? What am I actually doing now? Like, yeah. what? Do I have to like recalibrate this this ship? Like, yeah. start to steer this thing in another direction? And yeah, that's kind of where I'm at now. Is like, all right, what's going to be the next level of my work? Like, I want to go bigger. I want to go better. I want to go physical like sculptural yeah you know i was just down in miami for nice. for five days sculptural yeah and i'm just like every time i'm down there i get super inspired and usually down there for basel and this time i wasn't so i had like some more quiet time to kind of like absorb things and it's not so chaotic and you know just just looking at like what it is to be an artist now and like what people are creating and it's like with 3d printers with like i mean there's so many crazy things you can do yeah and you know yeah. with, with the metal background I'm, I'm going back to kind of my roots with that yeah. like welding sculpture art rising yeah you know what are these things that i can possibly build like let's let's get nervous let's let's yeah. be uncomfortable with yeah. what i'm making you know i've been pumping out kind well, of the, the same style work for a while yeah and like yeah. if I, you know you get comfortable and yeah you don't progress sometimes yeah. and, it, and it is like one of those things where you start like a new technique or a new thing yeah you're almost like restarting a journey and it's kind of scary because you're like, I might 
maybe this time I'll everything I make will suck. Yeah. You know, because I feel like I'm more of an experimental artist in those ways where I'm not like, you know, I'd say most artists are like, well, I'm an oil painter. I paint cityscapes. I paint faces. Some people do multiple things. Some people mix oil and, and spray paint or whatever it is. But where it's like, you see like the SAP piece I did, put that next to like one of these contemporary pieces in the gallery with the layers is completely different. Mm -hmm. But yet it kind of has the same similar feeling or, you know? Yeah. So it's like, okay, what, hmm. what do I feel good about putting out there and, you know, doing these pieces with SAP and more of like social activist type yeah. of style? How do I get people to think about things too? Because I like that approach. You know, art influences and art makes people think. So, yeah. you know. There's a certain vulnerability to being an artist that you have to embrace. Did you watch that uh, Brene Brown yes. thing? Yes. Yeah. yeah, the vulnerability courage thing. Like, oh, I watched it. And actually, afterwards, I bought it. We, uh, my wife and I watched it together. Yeah, so good. <clears throat> I think that was around the time that we were like just becoming. It might have been right before our daughter was born. And we bought the book. Yeah. Um, Brene Brown's book. Oh, and I think she was on. Um, and she also did. You ever listen to Super Soul? Oprah, no. Oprah's podcast. Oh, really? Yeah. No, I haven't heard it's that one. so good. Really? It's right up your alley. You'd love it. It's yeah, like, that, that connection between vulnerability and courage. It's yeah, like, there's, there's never been courage without vulnerability. And then I was like, shit, I've been pretty vulnerable then yeah. for a long time because it's true. You have to put yourself out there. I actually, you get, I actually get, I get, I feel that like saying, like even just got the chills a little bit, but it's so true. Yeah. And I start thinking about my life and I start thinking about like the last, you know, you know, 10 plus years as a professional, like just taking risks and like putting myself out there and like and, and you put yourself out there sometimes in, in some directions and it's not gonna work but because you keep putting yourself out there yeah it like it, things you know things happen yeah and things can. aren't and things aren't gonna happen every in every direction no way and with every individual you try to you're vulnerable toward yeah it doesn't work but that, just like for me it was like even just seeking mentors like yeah. there's certain things I aspired to do in business and people that I wanted to learn from yeah. and I reached out to them and like yeah. the, even that is that's an act of you know maybe it's a courageous act and, and you're a little vulnerable I don't know it's weird to call yourself courageous but it's the, the act of just putting yourself out there um, and being prepared for a, like you know denial or well, criticism. Well, open yourself up yeah. for criticism, for critique. Yeah. It's tough. Like or she, being ignored. Right? Yeah, like when she talks about, you know, that video going viral and then all the worst things she's ever thought about someone saying to her are all in the comments, you know? And yeah. she's like, what? Like, yeah. I have to like, and then, yeah. you know, coming up with this concept that like, I'm not going to listen to anyone that's not in the room. Like and anyone that is not actually putting themselves out there. Yeah. It's very easy for these keyboard warriors to sit behind the computers and criticize people yeah. when they've never put themselves out there for one minute. Yeah. Because when you when you yeah. do put yourself out there, yeah. you do create the empathy you're talking about. Yeah. Because you know, like, dude, that guy put himself out there. Like, I don't know about you, but like, yeah. that was ballsy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I have many thoughts and ideas and um, hopes for collaborating with you. Yeah. Uh, as I buy my company, uh, Fabrics, kind of evolving more to be like sort of strategic brand, sort of agents for um you know bigger sort of businesses and corporations that are trying to like re reinvent themselves and rethink how they market and like and just like ex express their brands sure. you know to to the public to other businesses and they're these are like b2b companies that are just like really starting to rethink things like and not 
two different away of like an SAP. Yep. And, you know, right now a lot of it's been just trying to rethink how they approach like video storytelling. But as I'm getting closer, there's this one company in particular I'll talk to you about offline. There's this one company in particular I think would be really open to um, working with an artist okay. and how they're trying to just build deeper connective tissue with their customer base. Sure. Um, it seems like, it just seems like there like might be a nice connection there. It's actually a, a mentor of mine uh, who works at this company that I'm, that I'm working closely with and he's here in Boston. And so we, we tend to get together um, at our East Boston studio that nice. I want to show you one of these yeah, days. Yeah. So we'll have to get together. Cause I feel like there's some, there's some things I gotta get. I gotta get with Derek too. Derek, I, yeah. You gotta hook up with Derek. Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're, uh, I'm always looking for new mentors. <laughs> so anyone you can introduce me yeah. to, I'm always looking for inspiration yeah. and mentors. And even, even that, like, that's been something that I feel like I, you know, your friends end, end up becoming like your mentors. Yeah. You know, a lot of my friends, like we mentor each other and it's yeah. like, but I'm still always constantly like, 100%, who yeah. can I talk to that's been through yeah. something similar, yeah. you know, business wise, art wise. And you're always taking little like bits and pieces from other artists and, I think creating like supporting each other and creating yeah. a creative network, which yeah. is where I feel like a lot of us are at now. Yeah. It's like, if I don't do something well, let me call this guy or, or like, yeah. you know, I had my buddy Bablo who has oh, yeah. Steve's, Steve's design in Beverly. Yeah. yeah. He helped me out with that powerful piece. Cause yeah. you just, and if you kind of open those lines of communication to everyone, yeah. like, Hey, let's collaborate. Yeah, let's, yeah. let's like talk about this and support each other. I think it's really great. Yeah. I mean, I, I manage, like I, I joke, I call it, but sometimes I feel like I'm managing like a corporate theater like with just some yeah. like the random just bullshit that happens like with like you know the interpersonal bullshit of like corporate America or whatever and the, you know like the buddy I mentioned I was with last night and there's a couple of buddies of mine that um, are similarly successful in business like similar upbringing just like we have like very strong respect for each other like we almost counsel each other through situations sometimes so like I'll I'll hit them up when I'm dealing with a particularly sensitive situation sure. just to be like hey gut check is this an appropriate way for me to respond? Because yeah, I don't yeah. like, I want to make sure that I'm like, you know, this person feels heard, but I don't want to cause any friction, you yeah. know? And it's just like, you know, that, that new, and sometimes it's really helpful to have that, like, like essentially like that little brain trust yeah. around you. So yeah, I mean, my, my yeah. best friend, one of my best friends, Trent Sanders, he's my roommate. He owns uh, 36 creative in Salem, New Hampshire over there. He's like my go-to guy for that stuff. Cause I mean, he manages this, you know, decent sized creative agency and they're dealing with follow and, you know, all these different things on a daily basis. And it's always like, I'm like, can I send this email? Yeah. And he'll be like, he'll literally take the whole email, yeah. restructure it in red yeah. and send it back and be like, I don't, you can do whatever you want, but I would send it like this and I'll be like, send, yeah. <laughs> you just change yeah. all those yeah. things. Thank you very much. And I'm like, I'm sending yeah. that. Cause you know, sometimes I am a little too passive or I'm a little afraid of like losing a job or, yeah. you know, quoting it too high and, yeah. and dealing with stuff like that. And yeah. Well, that's where it really helps. So those people you trust, you can talk dollars with. Yeah. That's actually one of the biggest things actually that we, that that's like the elephant in the room of this, this yeah. last little bit of the conversation is like, I can literally just say like, this is like, this is what the deal is. Or like, or you can talk about like what your salary is, or you can yeah. just talk about money and like just, being candid like all right what should i expect next to what you know what are you aspiring for in your career and like just kind of holding each other accountable to um like the outcomes of those conversations like yeah, all right what do you what do you want for your family a few years from now like my my one buddy 
again, same buddy I was hanging with last night. He's about to have his third child. And so like we talk about specifically how we're saving for children's education. So we yeah. talk about a 529 fund that we do with Fidelity. And like, we talk about what credit card we should get where you can push your cash rewards into that 529 savings account. And sure. How much money should you save in the first five years of their life so that it has the most return? And like, like even just like that level of detail, it's, I don't have like, I love, like, my parents are amazing. I have, like, very supportive, like, family members. Sure. But, like, my family doesn't talk, has never talked to me about finances. And so, like, there's a, there's a whole, like, money isn't everything, but it's yeah. a lot. That's the advice I got from one of my first managers in, yeah. in, in the professional world. And I was like, that's pretty good feedback. And I think you're telling me I should take this other job. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to take this other job. I read, I read this funny <laughs> quote a couple of years ago. It was like, um... He's like, money, money, money isn't everything, but I feel a lot better crying in my Lamborghini. <laughs> yes. It's like, yeah. it's kind of funny, like, yeah. you know? But yeah, I mean, having mentors in different areas of expertise, like, and not being afraid to ask. It's like, yeah. I'm, one thing I, I can say is like, if I don't know, I will ask. I'll ask 10 people. Yeah. And you know, like, I, going back to like being resourceful in life, it's like, talk to the people that you think are going to know the best. Yeah. You can do research for th- months. But if you call someone that does this certain thing every day and they open up to you in a way, you're like, well, I just yeah. skipped all that three months of like, you know, yeah. still learn on your own, but yeah. have these open conversations and, you know, for everyone just to yeah. kind of support each other. And like, yeah. we're, we're here for this one click, quick glimpse yeah. as, as far as we know. Let's be real over here with those yeah. who were gracious enough to like be, you know, be getting real with. Dude, yeah. you got to listen to yeah. uh, that book, Sapiens. Okay. I just oh. got off of that. Yeah, that one is really sticking with me just because uh, it's showing like the evolution of the human species and how we always think it's like this linear thing, like one thing evolved into the other, where in essence it was many things evolving at different things, you know, uh, you know, you know, certain ones dying off, you know, like Neanderthal dies off and it's like they survive all the fittest in that way. Yeah. And you know, but then even then there was like Cro-Magnons that were like, and there was some intermingling. Yeah. There was a lot, there was a lot going on. Between 30 and 40,000 years ago, actually one of my favorite classes in college was archeology span because of that. So, which is why people like my, I might even met my brother because I took archeology span with my younger brother in college. Yeah. And um, he might even have recommended Sapiens, but it's really interesting to think about the, like the migration patterns and like the evolution of just the homo species. Well, and you know, farming and, and wheat cultivation was essentially what, created communities it created things for people to stay and yeah. like be like okay well, we're gonna stay where our where our wheat farms are and these guys had like the first first sense of like uh, economy you know and then you know looking at like the roman empire and going back like as far as possible this first like from hunter gatherers to like these yeah. advanced societies like why do what were we worshiping what were we have, have, you know what's really this just sparked one other topic that just came i just learned this this week have you heard of the calorie theory no. You're kind of scratching into what the calorie theory is. So okay. I just heard this this week. So I was with my mentor, who I want to talk, like introduce you to, sure. and talk to you about. Um, and so he was learning from his. But so he's at working at this company with like brilliant marketers, okay. like Silicon Valley analyst firm analyzed companies in the valley, and they were number one in B two B marketing. So okay. they're really smart. And so he's out to dinner with his boss and his colleague in Boston like this week, and they were just riffing about stuff and. This, my mentor's boss is like, have you heard of the calorie theory? And he's like, no. And, I, and he said to me, I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. So, so it's basically like when the homo species was like evolving, I think particularly like, like 30, 40,000 years ago, like when every, like whenever there was a, there was an advancement in, um, 
in in sort of technology such that food was readily available yeah. and food was no for no longer a concern yeah. which required your calories you to commit energy uh, to yeah. getting food. Yeah. You could commit your energy to something new. Yeah. Yeah. So if food so if you were along the river yeah. and there was cattle and you had figured out a way to like rein them in and, and and like and you had your garden like and you had all your food like readily accessible within your immediate vicinity, you could then focus on like like you could start thinking and and, and you yeah, could philosophize yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you, and you could do all these and you could start you started to create you started to create new things you started creating tools you started yeah. building and you know thinking about architecture and construction and building yeah, yeah and so it's and it's apparently like you can look at all the evolution all these like tectonic shifts in, in sure. the evolution of the homo species and you can apply the calorie theory to it uh, okay yeah so i get so i mean i i probably just butchered it yeah because yeah. i was told secondhand and it was like at the end of a conversation but everything. but now i need to like I, I, i'm like really curious to like actually you know look it up a little more but i literally just learned about it two days ago no that's that's <laughs> on point yeah that that book will dive into a bunch of that sapiens is really really nice. interesting and it will kind of talk about the progression of humans and even why we have like why we use money instead of bartering like the whole like progression of everything and like yeah. really scales it down for you to understand like what like so many times I'm just like really I never thought about it like that like yeah never thought about like how at the beginning when there was a bartering system you'd have to know how like wheat was the form of money yeah so it's like how many things of wheat is yeah. would be a pair of shoes be? yeah and you're always like trading wheat and how Maybe. do you weigh and yeah like how are you weighing it like how or like are you yeah, like what were you? Then you had to create things to, yeah, you had to put a value on a, yeah, on, and like on, it, a, on a certain amount of it. Yeah, and we'll be like, well, how, how does that how does that compare to apples? And then like yeah. apples to like, what is a haircut? Like all yeah. these things, and, and you know that all that bothering ended up getting out of control. Yeah, and you know even like when the first forms of writing, it was like, all right, so say you sold me like this land or whatever. Like say like you said, okay, you can have all this land. And then at the time you're like writing on stone tablets, right? And these are yeah. fucking heavy stone tablets, and you bring them to like a treasurer in the in the town, yeah. and he keeps all the tablets, right? Yeah. So picture doing that, and then 20 years later, there's 50,000 tablets in there, yeah. and you go back to be like, hey, I need to prove to this guy that I own this land. Yeah. How what? do you how do you categorize all that? Like yeah. they just kind of blowing your mind. You're like, yeah. what? I'm like, yeah. I just I just yeah. touch my phone yeah. and I go like. What year was World War II? Yeah. And it just tells me, and eventually yeah. it's going to be yeah. in my brain, and I might like, even have to look at a phone. Yeah, how the hell, like, the, like accounting, back then, like, the ability to account for things is just, yeah. we just take it for granted. I mean, we're just, we're just, uh, those were tech, those were feats to figure that out. Like, we're going to be robots soon, man. So, 20 years. Yeah, it's all like, uh, my, my, our, our daughter, she doesn't turn two until July, but, like, she'll have my phone, and I'll get a notification, and she's swiping it away, and so, yeah. like, she's talking to Alexa, Alexa's the, the the funny one, right? Especially oh. with little kids, like they know Alexa now. They yeah, she'll be like Alexa, and uh, Alexa will pick up her voice usually by the second or third time she does it, and uh, and then she'll be like Moana, <laughs> and then Alexa won't know exactly what to do, so I'll have to say play Moana, and then the Moana soundtrack will get going, and everything will be calm in the Sevilla house again. Yeah, yeah. Dancing will ensue. Yeah, the the uh, I got. I'm too cheap to get myself AirPods, but I'm constantly on phone calls and, and a prime candidate to have AirPods. So my wife got them for me because she's okay. a sweetheart. She was like, 
before she started this new job, she was like walking for WAG, and she like saved up some WAG money. And like, they're like $150 headphones. Like, yeah, you know, no, like, I'm not doing that. So I'm like, I, I just can't. And like, I, I could even write it off for business, and I still wouldn't do it. Um, but she got them for me, and I love them. And so now I'm obsessed with them. And I'm so obsessed with them. The other day, I and I have them all the time. Like, I'm listening to a podcast, or I'm on the phone, or whatever. So I went to walk my dog. And I took my phone and I hit play, and my phone started like playing like like really loud in front of me. And she's like, "What are you doing?" And I was like, "I thought my AirPods were in." Oh, wow. and I had a moment where I was like, "Damn, how many years until like people are just opting in to just having yeah, the chips in their ears?" Because I totally get it. Like I'm now being conditioned to just have like yeah, un- no cord, non- non- intrusive, yeah, yeah. no Even cord, that. just like. Airpiece just permanently in my head. I mean, it's Google Glasses. It's that. It's everything. Yeah. It's just. It's, it's just. Oh, no, I was like, oh shit, and I'm like, okay, I need to start having less device time. I was talking to my my business partner about this, and he was like, he was trying this thing. One of our uh, cohorts from another company we work with, and she lives in New York, and she's like, just try on a weekend to like leave your house and like at least be out for four hours without your phone. Yeah. And he did it like a couple Sundays ago, and he was like, wow. He's like. It was like maybe it was a little hard at first, but like he was like so it's like felt liberating. Yeah, and he like was out with like his like eleven year old son and just was able to like yeah. enjoy himself. And he's like playing with the son. And he wasn't like checking his phone. Yeah, I mean we we didn't touch on like uh, traveling as much, but especially going to other countries where you can't use your phone. Like yeah, we went to El Salvador last year. Yeah, on a pretty epic surf trip, and it's like you can't use your phone. Yeah, so you don't even you forget. Like, you, there's no phone involved, and like yeah. the whole time you're there, and you're yeah. just like. Oh, I just feel good. Yeah. You're looking at like actual stars. Yeah. Nobody's on the phone. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's nice. You immediately just brought me to Australia and reminded me of like my, I did a semester abroad and ended up kicking it for a while there. And then like almost a month in New Zealand after literally oh, wow. just like the lowest budget ever per day until like the moment where I had like $11, $43 left. Yeah, I yeah. remember when I had $43 left and I was like, I had my flight paid home. Yeah. So, and I was like, all right, I didn't have enough money to get from the sketchy, like, um, resort, Mango Bay resort yeah. in Fiji, where I'm sleeping in a, in a mosquito Amazing. Um, net around a hammock, uh, in, in the hammock. I need to be able to get there to the airport, and I definitely can't walk because, like, I've already almost been, like, sworn uh engaged to a local villager yeah because the townspeople like are sketchy and don't want us to leave um like i need i, I definitely need to to hold on to my last 43 dollars and, and make sure i can get home yeah i gotta, um, I gotta but, get out that side that side of the world someday. but super super um liberating that time of my life like i feel like i discovered a lot about myself and i wonder sometimes as much as i'm progressing as as a human, as a dad, as a father, as a as a business person, as a as a media producer, what am where am I inhibiting myself and like things I don't do that I did in Australia the most? I travel, I yep. never phone, and I wrote in a journal. Yeah. And like a year ago when I drove cross country back from LA with my family, I wrote in a journal a lot. But one of the things, and I've been telling this to myself, I need to hold myself accountable to this. I need to write in a journal more. I need to like leave my phone. Yeah. Like go to another place where I'm physically removed from the, the vicinity of my phone. Have my journal, like be out. Like I, I, my artistry is always be like present. conversation with people, meeting people, and and also just like musings, just writing down my thoughts. And that's what has been um, lacking the like in my life that 
and realizing the device age is impacting the most negatively. Yeah. No, it, it definitely takes a toll on you, man. Yeah. Like, you're, you're just connected to these things. We really are. We got to just We're like, from these yeah, things. I know. We, we can't become cyborgs. Um, Marcus, this has been amazing. It's been great, man. Yeah, thanks, thanks a lot for having me. Thanks for having me, man. This yeah. is great. Let's do it again. Let's do it. I'm looking forward to uh, progressing as humans together. Yeah, man. Me yeah. too. Thanks. I, I, uh, I, I consider you in the in the brain trust now. I may I may turn to you for counsel in the future. <laughs> Call me anytime. No, man. I'm always here. Doors for you always too. open. Right on. All right. Cool, thanks, man. dude. All right. Cheers, Boston. Right. Thanks, guys. Take care.